that's me. <laughs> Thank the Lord. Thank y'all. Y'all did a wonderful job. Amen. God bless y'all. Wasn't that great? Give the choir a good hand for leading us to worship this morning. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that so very much. What a blessing it is to be a part of the worship of the living God. He's alive, church. I don't know if anybody's reminded you of that this week, but thanks be to God, he is alive. While we're getting ready, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 here, uh, for Children's Church is meeting over at the Welcome Center to my left, so any of our youngins that want to come to Children's Church, Harrison's got his best Alabama shirt on this morning. He, he's excited, amen? Anybody knows, he don't root for Alabama, but I'm working on him. I'm working on him, amen. I don't know that I'll have much success, but that's all right. It's all good. Somebody's got to be for the other team, or we'd never have any fun, right? <laughs> oh, Lord, there we go saying bad words in church, yeah. No. <laughs> Second Thessalonians chapter 3, uh, verse 1. If you'll find your place there, we're going to be reading together in just a moment. Uh, if you don't have a copy of God's Word, it's no worry. It'll be on the screen right here behind me for you to follow along with us in our reading today. We completed chapter 2 uh, last week, uh, encouraging the body of Christ to stand fast and to hold firm the things that we've been taught and continue working together, walking with God and experiencing His favor in our life. And today... We're going to be reading from chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, that is pretty much a continuation, if you will, of what we studied last week. So if you found your place and physically able, would you stand with me in honor and reverence to the reading of God's Word, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Here's what the Word of God says. It says, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the Word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you and that we may be delivered from, unre the, from unreasonable and wicked men for not all have faith but the Lord is faithful somebody say amen to that right but the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one and we have confidence in the Lord concerning you both that you do and will do the things we command you. Now may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you'd add your blessing to the reading of your glory that we may show forth the praises of him who's called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And Father, today may your word go forth, may lives be changed, and may you get all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Today I'm speaking to you on a family of faithful fellowship. I don't know about you, but I would venture to say, and I would hope is true, if you're a child of God, you've trusted in Christ, you've repented of your sins, and you've trusted him and him alone for your eternal salvation, I would venture to say today that we are all counted a great blessing to be a part of the family of God. Amen. The family of God. You know, I remember the little chorus came out many, many moons ago. Bill Gaither just wrote this little simple chorus. It says, I'm so glad that I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood. Join heirs with Jesus as we travel this side, for I'm part of the family, the family of God. And I am eternally grateful 
to be a part of the body of Christ, the family of God. But I'm also blessed today to be a member of a local body of believers at Heflin Baptist Church. I want you to know that I count many blessings in my life that God has done for me, and I'm sure you do the same. One man told me the other day that his wife, she doesn't get to go to bed till about 3 o'clock every morning because she's counting all the blessings that he's been in her life. And I, 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 I don't believe he's very accurate. I just think she might just be having insomnia. I don't think he has anything to do with that. But when I count blessings, and I, you know, there are some things we just count up the top of the list. We count a relationship with God, being a part of his family. We thank him for our physical family, our spouses and our children. And if you have grandchildren and beyond, you're, all of those blessings are right up there at the top. And I believe right alongside all of that should be the blessing of being a part of a local body of believers. I really believe that's important. Being a member of the body of Christ and the local church, it gives us the wonderful privilege of having a special relationship with one another a special relationship with God and other believers based on the common fellowship that we share. I believe it's important that we don't miss that and we understand it to be true. The Bible teaches us in the book of 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. It says, This is the message which we have heard from him and we declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If you want to get out of darkness and get into the light, you've got to come through Jesus Christ. See, if we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But I love this verse. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. Amen. Isn't that good to know today? And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. We have fellowship one with another because of our relationship with God through the shed blood of Jesus Christ that cleansed us of all of our sins. You know, we often joke in the Baptist church that when we talk about the word fellowship that it's usually tied to a casserole dish. We talk about that quite regularly, but the truth of the matter is, it's much deeper than that. The fellowship that we share, and there's a real interesting Greek word for fellowship in 1 John chapter 1, and it's the word koinonia, I think it's important that you understand that that word literally means Christian fellowship or communion with God and fellow Christians. It means that this type of relationship is exclusive for those who have been born again, been born from above, and are a part of the family of God. I think it's wonderful today to realize that we have the wonderful privilege of walking in harmony with a holy God. Don't you think that's awesome? That God would give us the wonderful privilege to have a relationship of fellowship with him, but also that that relationship and fellowship would extend to other believers. I think that is something that's wonderful that we never need to lose sight of how important it is. So today as we look at this text in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, we're going to walk through it together. And we're going to unpack these verses and just see what God has to say to us that is a part of a family of faithful fellowship. Notice with me, if you would, today, first of all, in verses 1 and 2, that Paul here issues a plea for help. He said, finally, brethren, pray for us. Now, let's be honest about something. 
uh, in Christian circles and among church people who've learned the church lingo and the church language, we often, when somebody says, what can I do for you? We often say, hey, just pray for us. Sometimes we say it as though that is a last resort when it should be our first option. Sometimes we say it just out of habit, and sometimes here's what we do. Now, I know you would never be guilty of this. I'm the only person in this room that's ever guilty of this. But sometimes someone will ask us to pray for them, and with all the well-meaningness in our heart, we plan to, but something happens and our ADD kicks in and we forget to. I want to just stand here before God and the congregation that I serve and tell you there have been times in my 30 plus years of ministry that with all the well-meaningness in my heart I had, I have forgotten to do what I said I would do. Anybody else? Okay, y'all can all, those of you that are still sitting on your hands, you confess later, okay? But here, here's the, no, no, listen to me. Hear me. We do that because we really mean to but the other things that come around us take our attention away and we forget to. But when he says this, he said, pray for us that the word of God may run swiftly, that the word of God may have free course, that the word of God may accomplish that which it was sent to do. Ladies and gentlemen, today, there are so many today that live with no direction or purpose in life, and many today, even within the body of Christ, really don't have a direction and purpose of what God is going to do with them between now and the day they die. It's a sad reality, but it's true. And many Christians don't think about it too much because of all the other Voices and noise that is crying out for our attention in this world. But sadly, it's not just on a personal level. It comes to a church level. One thing I believe about the Apostle Paul was he really had a good idea where God was taking him. He didn't always know all the details. He didn't always know all the finer points. But he knew this, that God was going to get glory out of his life. And not only was God going to make sure of it, he was going to make sure of it. See, God desires to get glory from your life, but you need to make sure that it's a priority for you personally that God gets glory out of your life. In the book of Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, there is a verse that's very familiar to most of us. In the old King James, it says this, where there is no vision, the people perish. Uh, I really like the rendering in the new King James. I'll tell you why, because here's what it says. Where there is no prophetic revelation, the people cast off restraints. It helps me to understand this. Why? He is saying to the church today, where there is no prophetic word being proclaimed, that people will cast off any restraints and they will do what pleases them instead of God. Wow. See, that really makes it come alive. It's not just that we're looking as a vision for tomorrow, but we're asking God to get, listen, and I can't promise you everything in the world, but I can promise you this, that as long as there's breath in this old boy's body, there's gonna be a prophetic word coming from this stand right here, amen? And it's gonna be loud, and it's gonna be somewhat clear, but I wanna tell you, there's gonna be a prophetic word. You know why? Because I don't wanna see you going through life with no direction or purpose and God not getting glory and you doing as you please, making yourself happy instead of glorifying God. Amen, that's why. You know why? Because you matter too much. 
Oh, he said, pray for us. It's a word of direction that the word may run swiftly. We need vision. We need a prophetic word. Why? Because we don't want to be people who cast off restraints. There's a second thing in this plea for help. It's not only a word of direction, but a word of dedication. He says this. He said, pray that the word of God may run swiftly and be glorified. That the word of God may be glorified. Now let me say this to you about the word of God. I don't know how much this book matters to you, but I want to tell you in God blessed America today, we have no excuse for not being students of the word of God. If you're a child of God today, you have no excuse for not being a student of the Word of God. Let me tell you why. They're not hard to find. You can find some real inexpensively. And there ought to be, outside of those things, there ought to be a yearning and a burning in your soul to acquire the Word of God. Oh, what did Job say? He said, I have esteemed the words of your mouth more than my necessary food. He said, even if I don't eat physically, I must eat spiritually. Why? Because if I die physically, it's one thing, but I can't die spiritually in the process. But in God bless America today, we have copies and copies of Bibles that sit on coffee tables and end tables and nightstands and bookcases and everywhere else and desks and kitchen tables and countertops. In the pantry, I don't know. We've got them everywhere. Copies of the word of God that set idle and nobody reads them. And then we come to church on Sunday. Say, all right, preacher, you got about 32 minutes and I want you to bless me if you can. Amen? Oh, preacher, it's your responsibility to pour the word of God into me. You're absolutely right. But I want to tell you one, it is not only my responsibility as a child of God, it is your responsibility to go forth from this place, take the word of God, let it move you, let it mold you so you can take it to a lost world and see lives change for the glory of God. He said, listen, we want the word of God to be glorified here today. It's a word of dedication. And here's the question. Who or what is your life dedicated to? It's not just a word of direction, not just a word of dedication, but he also talks about a word of deliverance. He said, why do we do these things? Why are we doing what we're doing? He says, in verse two, he says, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. <laughs> For not all have faith. You know one of the most shocking things I learned when I was a young preacher is that not everybody whose name's on the church roll, not everybody who professes to know Jesus, not everybody who attends church is right with God. Shocked me. And let me say this, don't, not everybody who attends church loves God, loves people, or is here for the right reasons. I really thought when I became a young preacher, I thought every preacher loved every other preacher. <laughs> I was delusional, amen? <laughs> but I learned real quick that it's some of those, I'm telling you right now, preachers are some of the most jealous people I've ever seen in my life. I, it's unbelievable. I, I thought every preacher loved every preacher. I thought every preacher loved people. 
I thought every preacher loved God. I thought every preacher was in the ministry because God called them and they could not do anything other than give him glory for what he did in their life. I thought every preacher was in love with Jesus. Wow. You say, that old boy had a lot to learn, and I did. And there were some painful lessons. But I want you to know, in our world today, we realize that the unreasonable and wicked men are not just those of the world. They're not just those who are beyond the body of Christ. Sadly, they infiltrate the body and cause great havoc. Paul was asking or a plea for help, for direction, for dedication, and for deliverance. Now think about deliverance for a minute. Isn't that what Jesus said was the reason he came? In Luke chapter four, verse 18, Jesus recounts the words of Isaiah 61. When he says these words, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. That means those that don't have anything. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. That means those that are hurting to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are pressed. Jesus said to the world, here is why I have come. I have come to bring the great deliverance package to the world that people who are lost with no hope of eternal salvation can come to God through me. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the ultimate deliverance that this world needs. It's a plea for help. Not only did he ask about a plea for help, but he also talked about the person of our hope. Look at verse three. I love this verse. Say these words with me. But the Lord is faithful. Let's say it again. But the Lord is faithful. I think it'll do to say one more time. But the Lord is faithful. Isn't that good news? You're not gonna hear that on CNN today. You're not gonna hear it probably on Fox and Friends or any other network. But I'll tell you where you need to hear it is in the house of God and where you need to share it is beyond the walls of the house of God. Oh, this person of our hope, let's walk through and talk about it. We've already said this, but he is faithful. The Lord is faithful. Now let's talk about his faithfulness for a minute. When we think about the faithfulness of God, we realize that faithful is all he can be. You know, the Bible teaches in the book of 2 Timothy that even when we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself, which literally means this. If he ceased to be faithful, he would cease to be God. Well, he can't cease to be faithful. He'll always be God. And the Bible teaches something about his faithfulness. His faithfulness endures to all generations. Think just with me for a moment, if you will, Okay. Think in your mind's eye, look for a moment, look for a place, look for a time when recently God was faithful to you when you needed him most. Think back over your journey with Jesus. Think about the times that when God was faithful and you needed him bad and he showed up just at the right time. Oh, I like what Paul talked about there in 2 Timothy chapter 4. He said, you know what? He said, I looked and I looked and I looked and I'm telling you, all had forsaken me. He said, but the Lord, he stood with me. Has that ever happened to you? 
Ladies and gentlemen, I can tell you there have been so many times in my journey, there have been so many times that I felt in the lowest valley, I mean so low a mosquito wouldn't bite me, that the Lord stood up and the Lord was faithful and the Lord stood with me even when others forsook me. <laughs> if that hasn't happened, there's a good chance it will. And when it does, and you see the faithfulness of God, it will revolutionize your relationship with him. He is faithful, but notice something else about him. He is also our foundation. <laughs> he will establish you. Isn't that good to know? The Bible teaches us in 2 Timothy 2.19 that the foundation of God stands sure. We know something about foundation from the physical world that the integrity of any structure is only as good as its foundation. In a physical building, if the foundation begins to crumble, it doesn't matter how pretty your windows are. It's kind of like, you know, trying to rearrange the deck chairs on the sinking Titanic. It won't do any good. It doesn't matter. The foundation must be secure. It must be strong. It must be solid. And I mentioned in the welcome just a little bit ago from Psalm chapter 11, the psalmist said, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? I don't know about you, but when I look at our world today and I look at our world nationally, I work at our world globally, I look at our world from a political stance and a spiritual stance, I want you to know I see some foundations that's crumbling. There are some foundations upon which this nation was built. There are some foundations upon which many things in our world were built that are crumbling around us. So here's what the psalmist said. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Well, I'll tell you some things you can do. One of the best things you can do during the time that we're living in today is that you would remain faithful to the Son of God, that you would be, remain faithful to the Word of God, that you would remain faithful to the house of God, and you would remain faithful to the people of God, and you would do it all for the glory of God. Amen? I believe that we must remain faithful. We cannot allow our faithfulness to be compromised just because the foundations of the world are destroyed. Why? Because even though the world's foundations may be destroyed, our foundation stands sure. He is our chief cornerstone. He is a foundation that stands sure that will stand the test of time. He is the God of all glory and we can trust him to keep us safe and secure till he calls us home. Amen? Oh, God is good. When it's all crumbling, remember, he's the one that's gonna establish us. He's the one that will keep us strong. He's the one that will see us through. And then the scripture teaches us that he is also our fortress who will guard you from the evil one. I don't know about y'all, and I've tried to tell you this many times. I hope you remember it, and I hope you put it into practice. But I've learned very quickly that by myself, I am not strong enough to overcome the enemy, Satan, who seeks to war against my soul. Can I remind you that you, sir, you, ma'am, regardless of how spiritually strong you are, you alone are no match for the devil. He knows what you've got an appetite for. He always tempts us in the area of our appetite. If your appetite is money, he can supply that. If your appetite is fame, oh, he can do it, come up with that. If your appetite is to look outside your marriage for somebody that's more fun and woohoo and all that kind of stuff, he can bring her around, amen? 
or him. It don't matter. I want you to know whatever you have an appetite for, Satan can supply those things you have an appetite for. He can lure you away and cause you to bring great dishonor and disgrace to the name of God. Amen? You're no match by yourself. But here's the good news. We don't fight him. Our Lord fights him for us. I think you need to say that one more time, preacher. We don't fight him. It's our Lord that fights him in our place. God help us. Listen, if we're out here fighting the devil in and of ourselves, we're nothing but just chopped meat. We're done. We are chopped up, squashed, done. But here's the good news. He can't stand against the one that went to Calvary and shed his life's blood and bought our eternal life and keeps us safe, secure, and sealed to the day of redemption. He's no match for my Lord. Oh, you see this stuff on social media sometimes. Got a little arm wrestling match between Satan and Jesus. It says, click on who you think will win. And you see these people, Marty, Oh, I think Jesus will. I'm clicking on Jesus. Well, I, I want you to know Jesus is not in heaven reading your social media going, oh, they got confidence in me. No. You know what I want to say sometimes? I want to say I don't have to click. I don't have to pick. I don't have to wonder or wish or guess. This is not about an arm wrestling match between Satan and Jesus because Jesus took him down. He took him down for good. And he is a defeated foe. Did you hear me? He's defeated. We forget that sometimes, don't we? But even though he's a defeated foe, he seeks to war against our souls. And let me say this to you, child of God. I want you to hear me. I find great comfort in the scripture that reminds me he cannot take away what Jesus gave me in salvation. He can't take away what Jesus bought for me. He can't take me out of the family. He can't take me out of the family. And if you belong to him, you're in the family. But I'll tell you what he'll try to do. He'll try to get me to listen to him. And he'll try to lure me away in the battlefield of the mind and try to pull me to the side and begin to whisper nothing but lies. And you know what he says? Brent, you are not very smart. Brent, you are so ugly. And I say, he is such a liar. <laughs> I said, now I know you're lying. I mean, no. No, 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 he might be telling a little truth there, but he, he, he can give you some half-truths to lure you in. But he'll try to pull you in. You know what he'll get you to do? He'll get you thinking bad about yourself, bad about the people around you, and ultimately get you to question the Lord that lives within you. He can't take away what God gave me but he can try every way in his arsenal to get me to bring dishonor and disglory to the name of Jesus and hear me. That's the only weapon he's got left. He's our fortress. He'll guard you from the evil one. I love what the psalmist said in Psalm 18. 
He says, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know today, he is our fortress. He is the only one that will guard you from the evil one. And I want to get to this in verse four and five. He talked about the people on our hearts. And listen, I want to be real personal here for the next few minutes because this really talks to me a lot about how Paul felt about the people he served alongside, people he was serving with. And he really pours out his heart to them here in these verses. And they're very personal to me and how I feel about you. Here's what the scripture says, verse four and five. He says, we have confidence in the Lord concerning you that you will do the things we command you. Let's look at that. He talks about confidence. And we have confidence in the Lord concerning you. I want you to look this way for a minute. Everybody, every eye this way. Look here, look up. It's not time to pray. Look right here, okay? All right, here. here. If you're a member of this body, you remember having Baptist Church, I want to listen real close. If you're our guest today, I want you to hear me. This is my heart for the people I serve, and I just pray you just give me a minute to share it with them. I have a tremendous amount of confidence in you doing what God has called you to do. I have a tremendous amount of confidence that you will do and that you care about doing what God has called you to do. I really believe that's why God's put us together for such a time as this. None of us knew in 2016 when I came here that we were going to have a pandemic in 2020 and 2021, did we? We had no idea this was coming. We had no idea the struggles would be there. But I want you to know that I have great confidence in you. I have great love for you. And I believe that God wants to use you in greater ways than you even realize. And as much as lies within me, I'm going to do everything I can to keep casting a vision, to keep giving a prophetic word, and keep pressing and trusting and leading you to do all that God would want you to do. Why? Because I have great confidence that he has only yet begun to do the work that he desires to do in you. He said, I have great confidence in the Lord concerning you. You know why my confidence is in you? Because it's first in the Lord, and I believe the Lord put this place here in 1850, 1882, excuse me, for a reason, getting mixed up, 1882 for a reason, and I believe that now in 2021, we're still here for a reason, and that reason is to bring glory to God through every avenue he gives us, amen? Then notice what he says. Both that you will do and will do the things we command you. He gives them a command. Wait a minute. Are the commands coming from Paul? No, no. The commands are coming from God, but they're coming through Paul. Do you, you understand what the difference? The commands are not from Paul, but they're coming through Paul. That's the way this thing works. The commands are coming from God, and they're coming through Brent to the Heflin Baptist Church. They're not my commands. You, you can choose to disallow them. You can just, uh, just cast them to the side. You can just, just, just say they're not listening. But hear me, you must understand that the commands that we share with you from God's word are not my words, they're his words. I'm literally just delivering the mail. Amen? You know, I told y'all a few years ago, I'm sure y'all remember, 
I mean, the mail person brings a power bill to my box every month, and I wish they wouldn't. It's too much, right? No, and I get a water bill too, and all these, all these bills just like you do. And I can go out there and take them out of the box and I can throw them on the ground and I can fuss at the mailman and say, don't you ever bring me another power bill. Don't you bring me a water bill. I don't want them. Give them to somebody else. That'll be fine. As long as I'm using their power and I'm using their water, I'm going to get a bill. And if I don't want to pay it, that's fine. But you know what will happen? It will be cut off. And I will no longer have electricity, which I really love when it's 98, 98% humidity, right? I will no longer have running water, which I do need because I can stinketh. But nevertheless, we like these things, but we don't like what, where they're coming from is not from the mailman. They're coming from the company that is providing the service. See, the commands that are being given to you from the word of God are coming from the one who spoke this world into existence and breathed life into your body and gave you, you became a living soul. I would say that his commands are worthy of our consideration and we are not upset over those that bring it, which we do sometimes. We should be submitting to the commands from the authority from which God sent them. Wow. And then he says this. Now may the Lord direct your heart in the love of God and the patience of Christ. Finally, he gives us a compass. I'm not real smart on that kind of stuff, but I know what a compass is good for. It's good to tell you which direction you're going. It's good to tell you where you're headed so you'll know what's ahead. Ladies and gentlemen, listen. I don't know what all this journey we're on entails. I don't know where all God's going to lead us. And one of the hardest things, and I read some things recently, you know, you won't believe it, but as I have read articles and I have talked with others in ministry about these difficult days we're in, one of the most liberating articles I read recently really helped me because all of my ministry, I've had a pretty clear idea where we're going in three months, six months, and a year. But in this pandemic time, it's really changed that. Because we don't see as clearly because of all that's going on around us. A very wise pastor wrote a really great article, and he said this. He said, Pastor, don't get frustrated when six months looks a little fuzzy to you. Because <laughs> it does. It looks fuzzy because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, much less six months from now. We can't base what we do today based on what we did in 2010 or 2015. Everything is different. So how are we going to get through this thing? How are we going to continue to make an impact for the gospel? How are we going to continue to be faithful even when times are hard, when people are sick and when there's disease and death and all sorts of stuff around us? How are we going to continue to be faithful? Well, we've got to have the right compass. He said, now may the Lord direct your hearts. Did you see that? Did somebody say, yes, I saw that. Okay, that's two of you. I'm great. Okay, look. May the Lord direct your hearts. You know, for too often, I think we have measured success with all the wrong measuring sticks. You know, for too often, 
among churches, especially in that Southern Baptist Convention, success was based on three things, buildings, bodies, and bucks. How many buildings you got? How many people come? And how many dollars you got? That, that was the definition of success, which I thought all along was wrong. But you know what we've had to come to realize now? Is success has nothing to do with those things. Success has to do with are you fulfilling the purpose of God for your life and for your church? Now, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you today, I wish I could see things more clearly than I do. And I pray that in the coming days that God will sovereignly, I don't know about you, but I'm praying for God to sovereignly show up and show out and make a huge difference that we won't look and say, hey, the CDC shut it down, the World Health Organization shut it down, the, the doctors and, you know, and the wizards shut it down or the government shut it down, but know that the people of God got on their face and they called out to God to do something miraculous and he did and God fixed it. That's what I'm looking for. I mean, I, I remember when I was in Georgia, you know, they said, well, I tell you what will fix education. I tell you what we'll do. We'll just start a lottery, and it'll fix education. I know this is going to step right in somebody's prayer patch, and I ain't being ugly, but you need to hear this. We'll get a lottery, and we will have it fixed. Nobody will have to buy supplies. Nobody will have to do any of this stuff. It'll just be glory, 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 glory. Do you know what? It didn't work. Tell you why. Because if God's people want God's blessing, you can't go to a salt water fountain expecting to get sweet water. Book of James, chapter 3, read it, right? If you want God's blessing, you don't go to a salt water fountain, you don't go to the world, you don't go to the devil's way of doing stuff. You get before God and say, Oh God, could you fix it? It ain't popular, but it's right. It's true. So here's the question. When will we understand that we need God to direct our hearts? That we need God to direct our churches? That we need God to direct our institutions? That we need God to direct our schools? That we need God to direct our government? When will we come to the place that we quit trying to fix it with man's way and let's just do like they did in the old days and just grab a hold of the horns of the altar and say, oh God, if you don't show up, we're done, but I believe you're gonna show up and you're gonna show yourself strong. When are we gonna get there? I don't know about you, I'm there. I'm there. Because I know that he's the only one that can fix any of this stuff. Now may the Lord direct our hearts. Let me remind you, I am very blessed to be a member of the family of God. I am very blessed to be a member of this family. And I'm grateful for where he's brought us. I'm grateful for what he's taught us. And I'm excited about where he's taken us he's faithful pray with me Father in Jesus name right here right now in this house on this day there are so many so many needs among us so many burdens around us 
so many unanswered questions in our hearts. Father, I am confident that you have the answer. I am confident that you can heal the hurts you are the ultimate hurt healer and I am confident that you can give direction direct our hearts Father right here at this invitation I pray that those who have unanswered questions those that have brokenness in their heart and life and in need of healing those that need direction for today and tomorrow Oh God, I pray that right here at the feet of our Lord, right here in this altar area today, God, they'd find it. Those that are not a part of the family of God, oh God, that today they would realize their lost condition, realize they cannot save themselves, and they would come today and make a profession of faith in you and repent of their sins and trust you as Savior. God, for your children they are not a part of a local family, today, today, God, they'd be the day that you'd remind them they need relationships, they need fellowship, they need that koinonia that you created us to have with you and with other believers. God, you'd move on their heart to make that right today. And God, for this local body, even though, Lord, sometimes the future looks a little fuzzy, we know you're faithful. Maybe today would be a day as a body we'd come together and just say, oh, God, we can't keep doing things the way we do things. We can't continue looking within ourselves or looking around for answers. We must look up to you and in your word. And God, that you would bind us together in love and with a purpose. And God, that our purpose would be to glorify you and that our love for you and love for one another would be binding and unbroken. Oh God, I have great confidence in what you want to do with this body. Let us not miss it. Let us chase it and give you the glory. In Christ's name, amen and amen. Let's stand our feet all across the house. Friend, today as God speaks to your heart, would you be obedient and make decisions today? You'll be glad you made when you stand before him in judgment. Would you come to Jesus? Come as God speaks. Marty, you lead us when you're ready. Let's make us our prayer. Lead me, Lord. Lead me, Lord. I will follow. Lead me, Lord. I will go. You have called me. I will
coming let me just ask you today and I want to ask you this y'all come when you're ready brother Glenn uh, and Mark um, let me just ask you though this chorus we just sing lead me Lord I, I really pray and we say this a lot let this be your prayers we leave but I really pray that through this week you will look for places in ways that God is leading you you will look for the opportunities he's give you to be an influence and impact for the kingdom and that you try your very best not to miss those opportunities and that you look for him to lead you in ways that bring him glory. Amen. You know why I have to ask you to do that? Because I have confidence in you that you will do that. Y'all come when you're ready, brothers. I have great confidence in all of you, and I mean that. And I want you to know that because that means so much. A lot of times for a pastor, he wonders if people have much confidence in him. And it always is helpful when somebody says they do. And as a pastor to you, you need to know that I have that same confidence in you that you're going to seek the will of God and do as God leads you to do today so as we give today let's be faithful uh, always be faithful give God the first fruits not the leftovers amen and trust him the tithe is holy unto the Lord and I remind you of that because that's that's what the master said right I'm just the mailman and it's his command and I'm sharing it with you because it's true and I want to encourage you to be faithful and just trust God with the tithe because it's holy it really is and I believe that if we'll just do what he said, that he'll fill our barns up to overflowing. I believe he'll rebuke the devourer for our sake and that he will be greatly glorified through the faithfulness of his people. So join me as we ask God's blessings on our giving. Yes, 
before we uh, dismiss today, there's a couple things I remind you of. Wednesday night at 6 for everybody. Of course, for active deacons, our meeting is next week, not this week because of the holiday, so don't forget that. Uh, but uh, Wednesday night at 6 for everybody, children, students, and adults, uh, we are looking forward to always having every opportunity we can. That Wednesday, I want to encourage you, that Wednesday, it helps me a whole lot because there's a lot of times between Sundays, you, you just need that fellowship, that koinonia, you need that uh, just that interacting with other believers. You need to hear from God and worship God. So I'd encourage you to be a part of worship on Wednesday at 6 as well, okay? And look for every opportunity you can this week. I promise you, if you'll keep the eyes of your heart open, the Lord will put people in front of you that just need a word of encouragement. They might need a word of help or direction. I shared on Wednesday night about a friend I met last Monday. Just uh, I, didn't, I didn't know him the last Monday. But he was a guy that had a need, and God placed me there at the time. I didn't, wasn't expecting anything, but hey, God is good. Look for opportunities to be a blessing. Remember, people come into your life as a blessing or a lesson, and when you come into somebody else's life, make sure you're a blessing, all right, and not a lesson, all right? Hey, church, as we go today, let's stand together, and don't forget that I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it, amen? Not a thing. I'm going to go around and be out front to see you on the way out. Marty's going to sing us out. Thank you.